All right. Oh, the pressure now. Thanks, Laura Lee. Appreciate that. Uh, I don't know whether you're going to get some good wisdom or not from me, but hopefully you'll get something good from the Lord. Uh, welcome, y'all. It's great to see you guys. I'm so glad that you are here. Um, so, you know, before I jump in, so any, anything you know, different or unusual happened in your life this week? Just talking about last week. That was a crazy week, wasn't it? It's really crazy, and um, it's weird just to be up here because my, my thought is like, you know, this is a really weird uh, kind of water theme this week here at River Run. The econ is running a little too much, and luckily it's, it's running less and less. And um, here today, we were supposed to have Blue Day. Uh, we're going to uh, push that to a couple of weeks and pass appreciation for a couple of weeks. Uh, just to give you guys some space, just some time to get some power on and clean up some stuff and get life a little bit back to normal. But in a couple of weeks, we'll have Blue Day again where we will celebrate uh, what God is doing in people's lives here at River Run. People who are saying yes to God uh, through being obedient through baptism. So that's going to be really great. We're going to do that after the second service on October 16th outside. And then we're going to have a meal together. So I highly encourage y'all. Uh, to bring your blankets, bring some chairs, bring some food if you can. But if you can't bring food, it doesn't matter. We'll have some food. We'll have plenty of food as well. It's going to be a wonderful day. And then to top it off, here we go. We're starting a new series about a guy named Jonah, keeping the river kind of water, whatever theme going on uh, this morning. And as we kind of begin this this uh, series on Jonah. I'm sure a lot of you, if you grew up in churches at all, uh, you, you've heard of Jonah one way or the other. And so what I want you to do, okay, for the next 30 seconds, whether you're in the house or you're, whether, whether you're watching us online, you can participate by, you know, commenting online, is I want you just over the next 30 seconds or so, kids, be great for, you know, for your parents to kind of hear from you and vice versa. For the next 30 seconds, I just want you to talk to the person next to you and just say, who do you think Jonah was? All right? So why don't you tell the person next to you, who's Jonah? I hope that you guys who are watching online, that you, you are participating on the chat as well. Uh, who is Jonah? Now, you know, um, this morning I was just back in, in River Kids, and I saw this uh, uh, children's story Bible, and our guy Jonah made the front cover. Look at that. In a lot of story Bibles, Jonah makes the front cover. Uh, for some of you, you maybe, maybe you came here and you're like, I don't even know who Jonah is, which is, which is great, which is fine. Some of us, we kind of like, well, yeah, Jonah, wasn't that Jonah, wasn't that, isn't that the guy who like ran away from God and got in a boat to go the other way and the storm came up and they threw him overboard and big fish, you know, swallowed him up and, and then spit him back on the ground. And, you know, isn't, isn't that the, the Jonah that we're talking about? Uh, you know, isn't that Jonah? That's probably for a lot of us. That's what we probably thought of or thought about when we thought about Jonah. But my hope is over the next few weeks, 
what you will kind of um, discover is that Jonah and his experience with God and what God does in his life is a lot bigger than just storm, fishes, and things of that. Now, that's huge, and that's great. But oftentimes, we really miss some of the big points that God really makes in the life of this prophet named Jonah. Now, a prophet, a prophet was somebody who um, God used usually to go tell people of influence of Israel, whether that's the priests, whether that's the kings, anybody of influence. And basically God uses them and basically says to those leaders, hey, priests, hey, kings, stop doing what you're doing. Stop being self-centered and using the people and using your position for yourself. Turn your hearts back to God and serve God with character and integrity. And basically a prophet would say, if you don't do that, this is what's going to happen to you. Or the prophet may say, hey, you have turned your heart from God, which is great. And this is the great thing that God is going to do for you or is going to do. And so prophets will usually do kind of one of those two things. Well, Jonah is is a little bit of a different prophet. Jonah lived a long time ago, like all the other prophets. He lived probably somewhere around 740 B.C., he lived during the reign of, this, uh, of one of the kings of Israel, a guy named Jeroboam II. And Jeroboam was just not really a man of high character or integrity either. And um, he was also, as he was a prophet to Israel, Israel had been dealing with a lot of problems and a lot of issues with this other kingdom, a very powerful. In fact, some people would say that this kingdom might have been like the first superpower. And it was, a, it was the kingdom of Assyria, all right? And Assyrians were not friends with Israel at all. During the day of, of, of um, Jonah, Assyria had taxed uh, Israel a ton of money, uh, oppressed them, and threatened them. And people were scared of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were really nasty people. In fact, one of their kings, a guy named Shalmaneser, uh, we have their records to this day, would just boast about all the horrible things that the Assyrians would do to other people. It's despicable. And since we have kids in here, I'm not going to get into the gory details. It's bad. So for the Israelites, no like the Assyrians. All right? And so here is this prophet, this prophet whose name is Jonah. And what we're going to see is two things during this series and and, in Jonah's little life here. What we're going to see is two things. Number one, this is important. Number one is um, that God's love is massive. God's mercy is amazing. God is incredibly gracious. It's the one thing we're going to learn. The second thing that we're going to learn during this series is this, and this is kind of the big idea of this whole series, that love is actually the hardest thing for us to do. Love is the hardest thing for us to do. Now, you may say, well, wait a minute. Love doesn't seem so so difficult. Well, love isn't so hard if you love the people that you love. And love isn't so hard if you, you know, love those who love you. And love isn't so hard if you're just kind of sitting out in the back, you know, on a nice, cool day with your with your guitar, with your flowers in your ear, and you're just singing, give love a, a chance, right? Love is, seems pretty easy until 
you have to love somebody who's really hard and difficult. Maybe somebody who's mean. Maybe somebody who is, uh, just gets on your nerves, annoys you. Maybe it's somebody uh, who is different from you. There are a lot of reasons why we don't love well. And what we're going to see through Jonah's life here is um, it's hard to love. What we're going to see is that we're going to see a prophet who's going to have a really hard time loving the people that God loves and that God wants Jonah to love. And through that, we're going to discover, as I have discovered, that really it's hard for a pastor to love on the same level that God loves. It's hard to be Christians and Christ followers to love other people on the same level that God loves. And there's going to be times in our lives where God will say, I want you to go love that person. And we're going to say, I don't want to love that person. And we're going to have that really hard internal struggle. Because honestly, love truly is the hardest thing we do. It really is. Now, one of the things that we're going to find out first and foremost as we get into Jonah, you can open up your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1 is where we're going to start. Uh, We're going to kind of key off most of the the, uh, first chapter right there. But one of the things that you're going to find right off the bat with this Jonah guy is this. uh, And I think it's kind of also metaphorical in some ways to our own lives is that it's really easy. It's really easy to run away from hard love. It's really easy to kind of go, "Mm, nope, don't want to do that. God says, hey, I want you to love them. You go, "Mm, no, I don't. I'm going to go this way. You know what? I want you to engage in a relationship with that person. Yeah, no, I'm not. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go the other way, God. I'm gonna, maybe I'm just going to kind of ignore that you even like, told me to do any of those things. All right, so let's look at Jonah here. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. So in the very first verse, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. He said in verse 2, get up, all right? Get up. Where, you know, there, he's, he's in Israel. He says, this is what I want you to do. Jonah I want you to get up, and I want you to go. Again, most prophets, they go to the leaders of the Israelites, and you know whether, whether it's the religious leaders or the um, political leaders. But here, God gives Jonah something a little bit different. What I want you to do, Jonah, is I want you to get up, and I want you to go to the city of your enemies. Okay? I want you to go to that great city, Nineveh. And that city, because again, if we're going to put our minds in the mind of Jonah, that city is great because of the nasty, powerful oppression of the Assyrians. The Assyrians, what they would do is they would do things like they would come and they would take you and they would pull you out of your homes and they would send you to another part of the empire. They would do all of these nasty things, take you away from all your family, and then they would just do horrible things to you. And God says, Jonah, here's, here's the deal. Here's, here's what you get to do. You get to go to the epicenter of everything that is hellish, the city of Nineveh. All right? Now, sometimes when we read through some of these works in Scripture, we tend to kind of think, oh, well, you know, he should have trusted God. He should have done this. And we do that with Peter. We do that with John and all those sort of things. But what I want us to do is to kind of empathize a little bit. When God calls you into something that is hellish, is your natural response, oh, yay, God, that sounds great. That's exactly what I want to do. Most of us are like, uh, no. 
I really don't want to do that. Um, uh, I, I don't even know why you're calling me there. That is a cesspool. That is horrible. And then he says this, announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked these people are. One of the things that you're going to see as you go through Jonah is this, two things. Number one is God is always a realist, all right? God deals with the problems. Nineveh really is a very nasty place, okay? But what you will also see through this is God's desire is for everybody to turn their hearts back to a benevolent God. God will judge the wicked, but he desires the wicked to turn their hearts back to their benevolent God. God will judge for the awful, hurtful, ugly things they do to other people, but he desires for them to turn their hearts back to God. God doesn't just say in in our lives and other people's lives, it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. He's a realist. So he's a realist about the, about the people of Assyria and the people who live in the great city of Nineveh. They're, it's just nasty. Um, and so I want you to go over there and I want you to announce my judgment against them because I've seen how wicked these people are. And so Jonah did what the natural thing of a lot of us do in verse 3. Jonah then got up. So he, he's obedient. So he's obedient to God. He gets up. And he went the opposite direction. He went the opposite direction. I'm not going to go to the big city of Nineveh. Away from, not just away from Nineveh, but from the Lord. And what happens that I find is when I don't desire to love somebody hard, you know, who's hard, do the hard work of love. I'm also moving away from the Lord as well. Not just moving away from them, I'm moving away from the Lord. Lord, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to listen to you. And Lord, I'm going to turn my heart from you. I'm going to kind of, you know, not listen to you kind of thing. And so here what we see is Jonah got up, did what we naturally do. Nope, don't want to do that. But at the same time, I think it's important for us to realize that when we do that, we're not just turning away from that individual or from that thing. We're also turning away from the Lord. So he went down to the port of Joppa, down by the seashore, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Tarshish is just way on the other side. So he bought his ticket. He went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. How many of you guys have ever tried to escape from the Lord and just like God just feels like at you, you know? You're like, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this other direction. I'm going to go do this thing. And, and just feel like God is still just kind of like, <laughs> you know, I'm hoping to escape from the Lord because I don't want to do the things that God wants me to do. But God is still kind of like in there. It's impossible for us to escape God. And you know what? Jonah probably was at this moment thinking like it would be a good thing to escape from God. It's actually a good thing that our God continues to run after us, even after we try to escape from him. And so one of the things is, is, is what we'll see here is that he, so he goes and he, he, he sails off. And the other thing that we're going to see here is that it's also very easy to be indifferent to hard love. Some of the things, it may not just even be so much of, you know what, I have this issue with this other person or I'm dealing with a relational thing. And so I don't want to deal with that, you know, as far as I want to run away from that. But sometimes we can just be indifferent. Maybe I don't really have a problem with anybody. But I don't step into anybody's life. 
I just kind of go on and do my own thing. And so, you know, I just kind of choose my own comfort rather than whether it is, you know, maybe stepping into a relationship with somebody who's different from me. Maybe it is doing something very hard. Yesterday, I spent almost five and a half hours or so doing sandbags. I am so wiped out. This, this old body is so tired. And sometimes our flesh is like, you know what? I don't want to step into that hard. I just want to watch football. I just want to do something easy, stay my hammock. Sometimes doing something hard and loving, you know, uh, or, you know loving well, sometimes means not being indifferent, stepping into the lives of somebody else. In fact, a beautiful story yesterday, um, we were helping out somebody who lived on Lake Harney, and you literally had to get in a boat a half a mile from their house to get to their house. A boat. That's how far and how much water was around them. Anyways, putting sandbags up and everything, and there was this lady with her three teenage boys, probably 14, 15, 16 years old. The 14-year-old kid had been working hard. He bought this John boat, and they decided that they just couldn't sit around in Altamont. They needed to help somebody. So there they go. For some reason, somehow they found their way over there at Lake Harney, and they're giving rides back and forth, back and forth. And I thought, man, how amazing is that? They could have just stayed home and just hung out and you know, cleaned up their yard and everything been great, but they decided that they wanted to go and help and serve somebody, to do the harder thing, to go and love, rather than being indifferent. And sometimes we choose the comforts of indifference than stepping into the life of somebody that we could love and that we can serve. Jonah did that. Verse 4, God goes and he says, all right, I'm going to hurl a big old powerful wind over the sea. Here we go. Hurricane Jonah, causing a violent storm that threatened to break up the ship apart. So this ship is starting to shake. It's starting to break apart. And what do we find? Verse 5, fearing for their lives. These are sailors. These are professionals here. This is how bad it is. These are fearing for their lives. They're afraid. They think they're going to die. What do they do when, you know, when we think we're going to die? Well, they start shouting out to their gods for help. And they threw cargo overboard to lighten up the ship. So maybe it could last a little bit longer. But here's the deal. They're all doing that. They're crying out to their gods. They're doing everything they possibly can to keep this ship going so nobody would die. What's Jonah doing? He's hanging out down below. He ain't lightening anybody's load. He's not helping at all. He's indifferent. In fact, one of the things that we see from the prophet Jonah is a lot of times he's completely disengaged in the lives of other people particularly those who are unbelievers. So here he is, he's asleep. He doesn't engage with them. He's doing his own thing, kind of keeping himself separated. He is basically indifferent. And some of the things, you know, when we look at Jonah that we can learn from us is sometimes we may not be indifferent from the people that we love. We may not be indifferent to the people who are like us. And maybe we're not even indifferent to other Christ followers, Maybe we might be a little indifferent from those who don't follow Jesus. Their theology is messy. Their life is messy. And we, become, we can become very indifferent to them. So Jodan is down below and he is getting a good sleep in. And one of the things that you're going to see about 
uh, Jonah that I think is also really good for us, just to understand, you know, is, is this idea that unbelievers should not love more than believers. Sometimes, y'all, and I'm guilty of this too, and I'm like, okay, God, do some gut checks on me, is when unbelievers are loving better than I am. When unbelievers are caring about the lives of other people more than me. Jonah is down below taking a nap while, you know, everybody's trying to make sure that this ship doesn't go down and nobody's lives, you know, are lost. And here you have this picture of these people who are unbelievers, you know, who are caring and more loving than Jonah himself. So, verse 6, the captain goes down below and says, hey, there's some dude down there who's sleeping. So the captain goes down there, whoa, hey, dude, you know, wake up. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up. I don't know who you are or where you came from, but man, this is all hands on deck type of deal. Get up from your slumber and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare us our lives. And then in verse 7, the, the whole crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. And when they had did this, the lots identified that Jonah was the culprit. Jonah was the culprit on this. So it all came down to the guy who's indifferent, sleeping down below. And so cast lots, it comes to him. And then what we're going to see here from Jonah is another thing I think it's good for us to learn as well. And I think this is true. When our core identity, when our core identity is in something other than Christ, or in his case, Yahweh, God, who is our God as well, we love less. When our identity is in something else rather than Christ, we will love less. Okay? Because what you'll see here in verse 8, let me just explain this to you, show you in verse 8. Why don't you go to the next verse? Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What's your name? What's your line of work? What do you do? And what country, what nationality are you from? You know, where are you from? And so Jonah answers, the first thing out of his mouth is this, I'm a Hebrew. So this is first and foremost his identity. And as an identity of a Hebrew, he is a person who sees himself separated from the rest of the world. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to deal with you, you, you know, you unbelievers. That first and foremost, he sees himself, his first thing out of his mouth is a Hebrew. And as a Hebrew, it informs in so many ways the way that he's relating to other people. We can do that in our own culture, even as Christians. When we see first and foremost our identity as Americans, or we see our identities as Republicans, or our identity as a Democrat, or our identity as a Caucasian, or our identity as someone who's black, as our identity of whatever, a male or female, that will minimize the way that we love other people. Why? Because oftentimes we choose how we love based on our identity. But when your identity is based on the God who loves everybody, that changes everything. And so we see, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Oh, and now they're kind of freaking out. And so in verse 10, the, the sailors were terrified when they heard this. 
for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord who made the seas and everything, and now, okay, this, he made them mad. And so, you know, we're in the middle of this, this life-threatening storm. And he said, oh, why, why did you do it? They groaned. Okay? And so, again, I just want to kind of reiterate this. One of the things that's important for us to have a gut check with this is that we should check ourselves if unbelievers love more than we do. Now, first of all, remember, the, the unbelievers are on deck. They're trying to figure this thing out. They're trying to save lives and everything. And, and Jonah's down below and he's having to sleep. So what we're going to see again is almost the graciousness and love of these unbelievers in this indifferent, kind of sulky prophet. And so verse 11 goes on, and since the storm was getting worse all the time, it was just getting worse. It was getting worse, it was getting worse. They asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? What needs to be done to stop this storm or else we're going to all die? And then Jonah goes on in verse 12. He says, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is really my fault. I wonder why Jonah just didn't repent and say, you know what, guys, I turned my heart back to God. Let's turn the boat around. I wonder if he just went, no, don't want to turn my heart around. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I just don't care. Maybe this is a way for me just to get out of all of this. I'm done with it all. I'm escaping. I don't know. So anyways, I know that he knows that it's his fault and all of that. And so it goes on in verse 13. Instead, what do the sailors do? They rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. What incredibly gracious these unbelievers were to the prophet Jonah. They didn't want to throw him overboard. That should be a gut check to us. When we look out and we look at our community, we look at other people and we go, man, these people who aren't believers in Christ, they're loving better than me. I should have a gut check. That should help me to realize, wait a minute, I am not loving the way that God wants me to love. And I'm not engaging the way that God wants me to engage. I'm living a life that is either running away from the Lord or being just indifferent. And so they didn't want to do that. And so, but, you know, thing goes on in verse 14. And then they cried out to the Lord, to Jonah's God. Okay? So this is, a, they said, oh Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this great storm upon him for your own good reasons. And so here, you know, this storm in a lot of ways was brought on by Jonah, right? And sometimes we do things that create our own storms. And sometimes we do things that create our own storms that create storms for other people. And sometimes people do things that create storms for, for you and for me. And I find it just really fascinating that these unbelievers are the ones who are turning to the Lord and saying to the Lord, Lord, we, we're calling to you. You know, this guy started this storm, but we're calling out to you. And so in verse 15, they do what Jonah said. They picked up Jonah threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped 
at once. That was a game changer for the lives of those sailors. Here's the thing. Jonah played really no part in their life change. God was gracious anyways. And God loves others even when we won't. I think that's important. See, here's the thing. We're called to love this, this world and love people around us and not to be indifferent and do the hard love. Oftentimes we think that we do that because we're doing it for them. That may be true. God does use us to do that. But sometimes God calls us to go do those hard things in order to change whose lives? Yeah, ours, right? To change our lives. Because here's the deal. God is a good and gracious God. We see it in the lives of these sailors. They cried out to God. And guess what? God answered their prayers, even though Jonah was a a, a follower of God, unwilling to be a light into the world. God did it anyways, because God loves others even when we don't. In fact, verse 16, it says this. It says, the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. They're giving praise to God now. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now you say, well, wait a minute. So then that means I don't really have to go do hard things and go and love other people well and, and all of that because then God will do that. You know what? Here's the deal. That's probably true. But here's the deal. You will still, you and I, we will still be stuck with a heart that doesn't flow freely the love that God has for us. The whole situation and things of Jonah is that we would be people. We would be people that don't run away, but lean into. That we would be people that even when we do run away, we kind of go like, okay, all right. You're right, Lord. I need to to turn around. We do need to be people who, who are looking into our hearts and recalibrating and that we are people who are who are also just gut checking. God, you know, I follow you because you are a God who loves me. You're a God who who came into this world and sacrificed your love for me. You are not indifferent to me. You could have stayed in heaven by all rights, but you went to the great city of Nineveh, which is my own heart, and you changed my life. God desires for us not to be people who sit on the sideline of that kind of love into the life of our community. One, because our community needs to see that love. But two, we need to have God work on that love within our own hearts. It's always been a two-way street. Anybody who's ever done missions work, anybody who's done anything like that always comes back and goes, this is what God's done in my life. Life is always about that. It's always about, okay, God, you want me to step out and say something or relate to somebody in order to influence them. But in that, God is already influencing and working in us. And so even if we may turn the other way, God may continue to love that person who's crying out to him, which he will. But we will miss the opportunity for God to change our lives and in a lot of ways, also be a part of the life of the persons whose life has changed as well. 
Today is October 2nd, it's the first week, and so we're going to take communion. Hopefully you got one of these, and if you didn't, um, there are some in the back here um, that you can go and grab. We're going to take communion during this song, okay? And so this is what I want you to do. You can take it at your own, you know, own leisure time, whatever the way that the Lord may just come be speaking to you in this moment. Um, and as you remember, as you take it during this song, just remember the, the, the uh, bread, the unleavened bread symbolizes the sinless Christ who gave up his body for us. And the juice is the blood of Christ shed for us. That, that is what a great prophet does. Steps into our hearts and, ste- and, and, and speaks reality into our lives that we deserve the judgment of God but he gives us the opportunity to turn our hearts to God and forgives us, cleanses us, and gives us eternal life. What a beautiful thing. So as you're taking communion, remember what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Father, as we sing this song and we just kind of meditate on the words and we think about your son who sacrificed his life for us, God, I pray that you would just speak into our hearts that maybe we might be a prophet a Christian, a pastor, a religious person who has kind of lost our way a little bit and has kind of gotten a little bit self-righteous or thought about my own people group rather than thinking about the people that you want me to love. They may be hard, they may be difficult, they may be different. But God, it's through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, by which you have shown your love to us hard and difficult and different people and it changed our lives forever. May we be people who reflect that as well. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.